0: so father god we thank you for your faithfulness and that you are the promise keeping god i pray that you would keep your promise in james that says as we seek to draw close to you you do draw close to us and we come before you now eager to hear and to learn and i pray this in Jesus' name amen Amen. Please do take a seat. And if you have a Bible there, please open it up back to Luke chapter 11 or find it on your phone. Um, Luke chapter uh, 11, which is where we're going to be today. It's on page 1042. But let me start with a a little story. Uh, Can you imagine a great friend. In fact, you might not need to imagine them. Maybe their their face pops straight into your mind and your mind's eye right now. That really, really good friend. That friend that has been with you when things have been fantastic, when times have been good. That friend who has been with you when times are low and there's tears and they've journeyed with you there. That friend who has stood the test of time and there's lots of history in the relationship. That friend who you can ring and ask for help and they'll respond to that request at the drop of the hat. Do you have a friend like that? Do you know a friend like that Uh, apparently just as a total aside apparently us us men are especially bad at having friends apparently the average man in the UK has 1.4 friends I'm not quite sure what a 0.4 of a friend is only a friend on Monday Tuesday Wednesday or something I I don't know Um, uh, but can you imagine that kind of friend well now imagine for a moment it's three o'clock in the morning And for whatever reason, you can't get back home. Maybe you've missed your train or the car won't start. What would be an inconvenience during the daytime is now a minor crisis because it's the middle of the night, it's pitch black, it's cold, it's wet, and it's horrible. So you speed dial this friend, don't you? They're that friend. They're a great friend. Now, as you anticipated, you can tell by the tone of their voice that you've woken them up from a deep slumber. They've got that, that Barry White gravel going on and say, answer the phone. You can hear in the background that you've also managed to wake their small child who's squalling and making shuffling sounds uh, in the background of, of the room. And you say to them, look, I'm really sorry to bother you. My car's broken down. I've missed the train, whatever it might be. Can you come and get me? Now, what happens at that moment? Well, there's an internal dialogue. In the couple of seconds pause before your, your friend responds, she has a conversation in her head there, doesn't she? Goes like this. Really? Really? You've rung me at three o'clock in the morning? Are you not a grown adult? Sort it out yourself, the doors are locked, the alarm's on, the baby's asleep. Really? That's what goes on up here in about a second, doesn't it? What comes out of here? No problem. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, you know that. Now partly the response of, yes I'll come help, yes I'll come and do that, partly that response is because when you're that friend, when you have that reputation as a friend, part of the motivation is you've got to keep that reputation, haven't you? You don't want to actually put a crack in this golden globe that you have as the world's best friend. And so they leave their house, they pull their jeans over their pyjamas and off they come and they collect you from the station or the train station or whatever it might be. Here's what's amazing is Jesus says that God gives more freely and more fully than even the best friend. That God is a better friend than even that awesome friend who is partly motivated by a desire to keep their mantle as the world's best mate. Look at sentences five to eight and see Jesus tell exactly the story I've told just in his his own style. It says this, then Jesus said to them, suppose you had a friend and you go to him at midnight or 3 a.m. and say, friend Lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers. That's the internal dialogue. This is what's going on inside his head. Don't bother me. Really? Really? The door's already locked and my children and I in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Verse 8. But what he says is, Jesus says, I tell you, even though he'll not get up and give you bread because of your friendship, he doesn't like you that much. Yet because of your shameless audacity or the little footnote translation is a bit better. And yet to preserve his own good name, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Do you see that? It's exactly the same story that I told, that here's this good friend, this good neighbour, someone rat-a-tat-tats on his door because they want a couple of loaves of bread for someone else who's turned up at their house. The internal dialogue of that good neighbour is, really, the door's locked, the kids are in bed, really? But outwardly he says, no worries, here's the bread, because he wants to maintain his good reputation. That's quite a good friend. Now look how Jesus says about God, sentence eight. So I say this to you about God. See how God is different. Ask, and it will be given to you like that. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be swung wide open to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Do you see the contrast? That even a really good friend who's ready to get up at midnight and offer bread to someone is nothing compared to God. There is no internal dialogue in God's mind going, the door's already locked, the kids are in bed. Um, uh, Really? There's no begrudgingness in God. In fact, knock and he swings the door wide open. Ask and straight away you'll receive. Do you see what Jesus is saying? That God gives more freely and more fully than even a good friend who's trying to uphold their honour and their reputation. He is the best friend. He is the greatest friend. The door is always open. The phone is always picked up. The, The object is always given if you ask. But Jesus isn't satisfied with that. Not only does Jesus say here that God gives more freely, more fully, more generously than even the best friend you have. Secondly, he takes it a layer layer deeper, he says God gives more freely, more fully, more generously than even a father will give to his children. Not only is God this amazing friend because of what Jesus has done, but he is an amazing father because of what Jesus has done. Look at sentence 11. Which of you fathers, you a father today? Which of you guys? Which of you fathers? If your son asks you for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. I'll be honest, my boys would appreciate that exchange. They'd think that was brilliant, wouldn't they? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Again, my boys would think that was even better, but we get the point, don't we? We wouldn't do that, would we? We wouldn't give a dangerous item to a small child who's requesting food. Certainly not our own child. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give? Do you see the contrast he's making? He's saying any parent, even a parent with a bit of an evil incline, a bit of a cruel streak, even a bad parent knows how to give good gifts to their child. Well, God is the perfect father. How much more is God the God who gives? It's remarkable, isn't it? That God is our friend. God is our father. God is more generous, more committed, more permanent than the best friend we have. God is more kind, more generous, more compassionate than the best father any of us might have had the privilege to experience. Beautiful, isn't it? I want to ask three questions. Three applications, if you like. Three real-life landings out of this. And I'm certain at least one of them, if not all three, will be highly relevant to where you might be, Christian, not Christian, wherever you might be on your spiritual spectrum. First question is this, what God do you know? Who is God to you? What's your experience of him? What kind of God are you portraying before others? Is he distant, abstract? unavailable, inaccessible, far away, cruel. Well, Jesus here says that if you trusted Jesus, which is all being a Christian means, lean your weight upon Jesus, then actually God is a friend and a father. That's who he is. A friend who is right there alongside you always and a father who cares for you, loves you with deep embracing compassion. That's who God is. Is that the God that you know? God is our friend. Jesus says, John 15, 15, this is how it goes. Ready? John 15, 15, Jesus says, I am your friend. John 15, 15, Jesus says, I am your friend. What does Jesus say? Mm, They were better this morning. No, 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 I'm joking, I'm joking. It's good to mem- memorise sentences and verses, isn't it? That's one we've tried to teach our boys. I'm particularly pleased with it because I made it up. John 5, not the content, the tune. John 15, 15, Jesus says, I'm your friend. Just think about that for a moment. Jesus who existed before time began, who in fact decided to create time when he created space and everything else. Jesus who will last and live forever. Jesus who can do anything he wants, at any moment he wants. That Jesus comes to you and says, I want to be your friend. I'm your friend. I'm your friend, Judith. I'm your friend. That's remarkable, isn't it? Remarkable. And not just our friend alongside us, who knows us better than anyone, who is ready to give us what he knows we need, even when we don't. Not just a friend, but God is our Father as well, says Jesus. Not a distant father, a cruel father, not even an imitation of the best father you might have had. But the most perfect, pure, beautiful, embracing, kind, loving father we couldn't even imagine he's so beautiful in his fatherhood. In 2 Corinthians 6, sentence 8, I haven't got a song for this one, not yet. Someone can make one up afterwards if you want. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 8, it's that God is speaking and he says, I will be your father and you can be my son and my daughter. I will be your father. I'll be your father if you want. I'll be your father. Call me daddy and you can be my son. You can come and be my daughter. So, who is God to you? What God do you know? Because through Jesus, Jesus himself says, through trusting Jesus, through knowing Jesus, to relying on Jesus, God becomes our friend alongside our Father above. Is that the God you know? Second question. What is this good gift our friend and father wants to give us? What is this How much more gift that our friend and our father want to give us, knowing us better than we know ourselves? What is this gift? Look at sentence 13 again. It says this. If then, though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The good gift our good friend and our good father wants to give us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus specifically has in mind here. It's not the cheap imitation of health, wealth, and happiness. And by saying health, wealth, and happiness, I don't mean we're imagining that God is going to make us a millionaire, and he's going to turn us into the most good-looking figure imaginable. I know I'm close, but imaginable... Uh, And and life is just going to be marvellous and happy. I don't mean some extreme version of health, wealth and happiness. I mean, many of us think, God, just a little bit more money. So that last week of the month is not such a squeeze. So so the kids could just have one after school club. Just one decent holiday this year. Just just a little bit more money. God, please. And just a little bit more health. I know I'm getting old. I know my back has gone. But why does it have to get in the way so much with the care of the grandchildren? Well, God, just the dementia slightly less rife, God. Just a little bit more health. But he doesn't say our friend who loves us too much to wish us harm, our father who's too wise to make a mistake, they don't say the good gift I want to give you is that, do they? Jesus says it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is it that we long for those other things, more than we long for the Holy Spirit? I think that partly the answer is the same as as why we might watch the MOD firework display in November and be awestruck and blown away by it, if we have never lain on our backs on the African savannah and stared at the blazing midnight sky. The fireworks impress us because we've never seen the magnitude and magnificence of God's own creation of midnight in Africa. Or perhaps it's the same reason why when that little terrier scarpers out the alleyway off its lead we kind of run away as if we're terrified of that little yapping brute because we've never stood before a raging lion in all its hunger as it roars before us. And so actually these things impress us, they're substantial and real, but they impress us because we've never seen the fullness of the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Let me change the analogy a little bit. Um, I've borrowed this story from someone. I can't remember where I've borrowed it from, but it's someone else's story. A story told of a mother and daughter walking down a beach and the beach is covered in these shards and fragments and chunks of the most beautiful shells imaginable. Big, shiny, rainbow-coloured, glistening in the sunlight, stunningly beautiful. And the little girl, she's just really a toddler, she's loaded up her hands with these fragments and her pockets are bulging, you know like kids do, bulging out pockets. as she's walking along, delighted with these, and she's giggling away and the mum is just absorbed in the delight of her little girl, just full of joy because of the joy her daughter is having. And then as they progress down the beach they get to where the, the shoreline is where the tide line is and as they get there where the waves haven't pounded so hard or for so long the fragments and the chunks and the shards become whole shells stunning shells remarkable beautiful sculptures of nature And the mum sees these shells and the mum's grin bursts on her face. She imagines the joy of her little daughter as she sees the magnificence of these shells. And as she turns to face her daughter and give her permission to gather them up, she looks at her daughter's face. But her daughter's face is crumpled in sadness with tears running down her cheeks, and the mum says to her daughter, why are you crying? Look at these shells, and the daughter says, I can't let go of the fragments to pick up the shells. So infatuated with the fragments, she can't put them down to pick up what the fragments themselves are pointing to, the beauty of the shells. And so often I think that is our experience when it comes to what God, the good God we have as our father and our friend wants to give us. He knows the best gift he has to give us is the gift of his Holy Spirit. But our hands are filled with the shards of health and wealth and happiness. And even as we see the beauty of what God wants to give us, we cannot empty our hands to receive it. We cannot put these things down. Third question is who then can get this gift? Who gets this gift of the Holy Spirit? Look again at sentence 13, if you would, with me. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's the qualifier, isn't it? He gives it to all and any who do what? Who ask. Ask him for it. He's like that good father, that good friend, waiting to be asked, give me your good gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not for some elite few. It's not for those who have reached some spiritual high. It's not for those who are mature to a certain level. It's not only for those who have been a Christian for a certain length of time. It's not for those who have a particular personality type or have come from a particular church style or background. It's not for those who hold a particular position in the life of the church. It's for all and anyone who asks, who asks. You might ask with wonder and excitement. You might ask with worry and anxiety. You might ask with trembling readiness or trembling hesitation. You might be open or you might be anxious. You might be eager or reserved. It doesn't really matter as long as you ask. He wants to give. Just like that girl, thrilled, thrilled, in love with her boyfriend. Mid-twenties, let's put them. He, she loves him and loves him. He's a good man, a great man. Doesn't matter how that man asks, does it? Oh, will you marry me? Will you marry me? She so wants to say yes. It doesn't matter how he asks, does it? Yeah. God so wants to say yes. Our father and friend so wants to give this gift that actually this morning, it doesn't matter how you ask. Not really sure. Bit cocky. He's going to say yes. So what we're going to do is going to sing a couple of songs. Somewhere in the middle of it, we'll take an offering for those who are regular in the church, if you'd like to give that way. We're going to sing a couple of songs. And in those songs, I'm just going to invite you. No big fanfare. We're not going to be silly about this. We have no chandeliers hanging up, so you're all right. No swinging from them. But I am going to invite you just to say, my good father, my good friend, I'm asking for the gift that you know I need. I'm emptying my hands of the shards of ambition, of money, of health, of parenting, as beautiful as they are, because I want my hands empty for the things they point to, the gift of your Holy Spirit. Shall I pray for us? And then Johnny and the musicians will lead us in another song. (laughs) Gracious heavenly Father and sovereign Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the privilege you give us to call us friend and to call us father and to call you friend and to call you father. This is not what we deserve, but it is what you have made possible and available. You are our friend. Jesus says, "I am your friend." God says, "I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters." I thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. You're too wise to make a mistake, too loving to wish us harm. And the good gift our good friend and father wants to give us is the gift of your Holy Spirit. I pray this morning you might help us to trust you as father and trust you as friend. And to come this morning in the few moments as we sing and ask that we might receive this gift, knowing that you are eager and ready to say yes and yes and yes. I pray you'd make us more and more like Jesus who we are told in Luke 4 was full of the Spirit led by the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit and even as we sing we might echo his prayer there in Luke 4 where he says Spirit of the Sovereign Lord descend afresh on me move amongst us we pray now fuel and feed us as we are filled with your presence. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand and sing?